1: so the Oilers, uh, another practice schedule tomorrow. Game coming up on Saturday against the Ottawa Senators. Finally a game they haven't played since last Wednesday. Then they will play a week from tonight against the Florida Panthers. So really spaced out for them here over the last couple of weeks with all the COVID postponements and guys going into protocol and all the stuff that's affecting uh, a lot of teams around the National Hockey League. Want to also let you know, uh, the Edmonton Elks announcing their uh, parts of their defensive coaching staff today. D-line coach Demetrius Maxi is going to check in a little bit later on. And Jake Neighbors from the Edmonton Oil Kings will be on the show. What a ride for him it's been this season. He was with St. Louis, came back to the Oil Kings, was on the World Junior team. World Junior tournament gets canceled a couple games in. Now he's back with the Oil Kings. They've had some games postponed because of COVID as well. He's going to check in tonight. And, of course, the Oilers' uh, big news today, goaltender Mike Smith a thumb injury a partially torn tendon and he's going to be out at least a week and i am pleased to welcome back to inside sports one of edmonton's all-time favorite and most accomplished athletes five-time great cup champ the quarterback warren moon checking in tonight warren
0: you're on with reed how have you been sir i'm great reed how are you happy new year to you and i hope everybody's staying safe up there north of the border
1: Well, we're doing okay. A lot of freezing rain today, so we've went from bitter cold to having to do the penguin walk
0: to your car and all that (laughs) kind of stuff. It's that time of year, you know. You don't know what you're going to get, but you know it's not going to be pleasant.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Hey, I got so I just mentioned the Oilers goalie has a thumb injury, and I started thinking, you know, (laughs) you you made your living as a player. Uh, Your hands were a big part of it. Uh, like, did you ever have a thumb or a finger issue that kept you out of games, or uh, you know, a painful one you tried to to play through? I, I was wondering about that.
0: Yeah, in 1990, uh, it was probably one of my best years in the league. Uh, I had a chance to break the uh, single-season passing record in the last game of the season. Well, I had another game left to go. Uh, I think it was game 15. And I had an open dislocation of my, my passing thumb where the bone came out of the skin and I tore the ligaments and my season was over and we were going into the playoffs. So I missed the playoffs that year and... Um, didn't get a chance to, you know, break that record, and uh, I ended up coming back and playing in the in the Pro Bowl like uh, I think five weeks later. But to this day, that thumb I still can't bend it. Uh, I had to change the whole way I threw the football at that time in my career. My last 10 years, um, I had to change my grip and everything uh, the way I threw the football because I couldn't bend that thumb anymore. So, yeah, I did have a pretty significant injury for a guy who lived throwing the football. <laughs>
1: Oh man! Okay, well, yeah, I'm looking back on that season, and uh, yes, you missed the playoff game, which unfortunately did not go well for the Houston Oilers. Without you, no, it didn't. In, in the lo- so, how do you? I think how do you? How do you throw? I, I can't even imagine how you would adjust to that. You can't bend your thumb, and you still got to grip the ball and throw it. It must have taken you months to learn how to
0: do that. Yeah, my other four fingers had to be much more involved as far as holding on to the ball, and, and I I had a lot of fumbles because of that. I, because I couldn't grip the ball the way I, I could, and my fumbles were a lot of just fumbled snaps, where when the ball comes up from the center, and I just couldn't grip it sometimes, especially if we were playing in bad weather or whatever, and so you, you end up getting a fumble if you fumble a snap, but I also was one of the leading recoverers of fumbles because I would fall right on the football, so uh, a lot of people didn't know that i never i never revealed that that i had this problem with my thumb because you start telling people uh you can't grip a football all of a sudden now the organization is going to start looking at you weird like uh, okay this guy is up in his 30s and he's 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 injured uh we're gonna have to look to maybe replace him so i never said anything about it but i just kind of adjusted the way i threw the ball and and i I still had a whole lot of success my last uh eight or ten years
1: Okay, wait a minute. So your coaches nor your general managers knew that about you from 1990 to 2000
0: when you retired? They knew that I had the injury, but they knew when I came back from the injury, as long as I could throw the football and complete passes, they didn't know what I had to go through in order to make that happen. So I never said anything about that part of it. So, like, when I did have problems holding the ball sometime where I, maybe I got blindsided and the ball came out of my hand, it was mainly because I couldn't hold it as, as tight as I wanted to. I could throw it, but I couldn't grip it the way I wanted to.
1: I didn't know that. That's, that's amazing. And so this yeah. injury you had... You, you gave a nice description, which I'm sure had people cringing as they're driving around or <laughs>
0: sitting by their computer. So, oh, I know. You're talking about going in shock, you know, when you see your bones yeah. sticking out of your skin. And here I am standing out on the field, and I'm waving for the trainers to come get me, even though I could have walked over to the sideline because there wasn't nothing wrong with my legs. But I was in shock. I'm like, come out here, come out here. Look at my thumb, look at my thumb. And then when they took me in the, uh, the training room uh, during the game, and the doctor told me my my season was over. You know, I just started crying like a like a baby.
1: Oh wow! They knew right away eh, that that wasn't going to be fixed in time. No, yeah,
0: they knew Excuse. it was going to be surgery and the whole bit. So I had okay. have surgery to get the, to to uh, connect the ligament back.
1: Oh man. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that. Though I know not necessarily a positive
0: a positive. Here. But you see,
1: you see some of these guys who were, uh, especially linemen, I think you know they you look at their hands after they're retired and their fingers yeah. and thumbs are going in every direction
0: no question about it craziness uh, and i i dislocated the other fingers but never you know came out of the never came out of the uh the skin like that so, but i had three different uh dislocations of fingers where they just had to pull it back in place you know but yeah your your hands take a tremendous beating in the game of football believer and i would know it doesn't matter what position you play
1: yeah, okay. Warren, we joining us tonight on Inside Sports as we, uh, as
0: we Your get Your body started. was not made to do what those no. guys are asked to do out here. Well, <laughs> when I'm, when I'm the not... good Lord created us, he didn't say, okay, we're going to create this body to play football. Uh,
1: yeah, I don't, think, I don't think the good Lord had football in mind. I mean, no. I mean sometimes, I mean, look, I, I obviously, look, there's two sports I cover the most of. It, it's hockey and football, and it's the two teams we got here in Edmonton. And hockey is incredibly physical. Yes. But there are things that you do in football that a guy would get a penalty for. Like you can't hold a guy and drag him to the ice in hockey. Every play in football ends that way. Somebody's going down.
0: Yeah, somebody's going down, and there's, there's collisions every play, not not sometimes throughout the game, but every play there's collisions. So, yeah, it's a very violent game, and I think everybody knows that plays it, and I think every guy would do it all over again if he was asked to do it. He might do it a little bit differently, maybe a little safer, but he's still going to do it because of the love of it.
1: Okay, now did you, you played in that era, did you not, where if you threw an interception – And some years he didn't throw very many of them, but where like guys would head the defensive players would headhunt the quarterback to, oh,
0: quote, yeah, they're quote, quote, to block him. <laughs> they're yeah. taught to do that you know those those big defensive linemen that's that's their chance to get their free shot on a quarterback when they can and they're usually the closest to the quarterback when he throws an interception because they just tried to rush you know rush in to get a sack on him so yeah they turn and look right at you but fortunately I had a lot of respect around the league so guys would just like grab me and say Warren don't move don't move or I'm gonna have to hit you and they'll just just hold you up and just make sure i didn't go in and try and get in on the tackle or something like that okay well yeah that's <laughs> you survived all those as well I, all right i did i did make a tackle one time though after an interception and knocked the ball out and we got it right back
1: oh here or in the nfl in the nfl which play which team was that was that with the
0: oilers i was with Ed, yeah i was with edmonton i forgot who picked the ball off but um i my helmet right on the ball like you're taught to do and it came out yeah. and we and we recovered it and got the ball back <laughs>
1: that's that's awesome okay oh that's I was pretty that mad is on good. that one well i bet you were yeah that, but I, I don't think the interceptions sit too well and the thing is, the thing is with interceptions warren if you throw it right to me and i miss it and it hits my
0: hands and goes to yeah. the defensive player
1: that's stats on the quarterback that's on me <laughs>
0: You know, I probably I probably threw eight interceptions on Hail Marys, and I used to, and I would throw a Hail Mary because and we had all these little receivers in in uh, in Houston. They were all like five nine, five ten, but could fly like crazy. But they just weren't big. So you throw a Hail Mary, you want guys to be able to jump up and catch the ball. I threw so many interceptions on those. I started throwing at Hail Marys out of bounds just so I wouldn't throw an interception. <laughs> yeah, you never complete those anyway, right? No, so- you don't complete them anyway. You might complete it like one out of twenty.
1: Oh yeah, that might even be a lot. Yeah, <laughs> Aaron, for I sure. think Aaron
0: Rodgers is the only one that has luck with those things. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, uh, so, now speaking
1: of some of the the current stuff in the uh, in the National Football League. First of all, th- th- that final weekend. I mean, oh my good! Like I watched Baltimore and Pittsburgh goes to overtime. Uh, I was flipping back and forth between the Seattle game because I liked the Hawks even though they were out of it. But then uh, the Niners game goes to overtime. And then the Sunday nighter goes to overtime and almost ends in a (laughs) tie. I mean, what a crazy tense day that was. It was just a blast to watch all those games.
0: Well the NFL did a great job of, of scheduling because every game that weekend was a divisional game for teams and it didn't matter if you had a chance at the playoffs or not. when you play a division team, you're usually going to play a little bit differently because you know them very well you've played them you know you play them twice a year you know the personnel you know what their scheme is so they're very competitive games and very physical and even the you know the Chiefs Broncos game uh, that was a very very good game even the the Houston Texans I mean, against the Houston Titans, I mean the uh, the, the Tennessee, uh, the Tennessee yeah. Titans. That was a close game. Even though they jumped out to a twenty-one nothing lead, they they ended up having to you know, win that game late, twenty-eight twenty-four. So yeah, there was a lot of good games because they were divisional games, and then some of them had meaning to them for the playoffs. I,
1: I I've probably asked you this before, but we'll we'll get into it a bit again. Overtime. Now in the NCAA, they have the the shootout format. You know, each team gets a chance. The CFL does that too. The Grey Cup went to overtime. It was awesome. The NFL has modified the rules so you can't win with a field goal if you get the ball first. Right. I still think though, Warren, it's an advantage to win the coin toss because if both teams no get question. a field goal. So what well, like why don't they go to a shootout? Like why do we have to have punts and field position in overtime? What am I missing? <laughs>
0: Well, I don't like the shootouts because they don't give because they're not long enough. I mean, as far as the yardage, like in college, they started the 25-yard line. You're going to score from the 25-yard line, whether it's a field goal or something. Start at the 50, and then you know make it more more competitive to where the defense can at least get a stop on you, and then you have a chance to go back from your 50 and try and score. But the 25-yard line is pretty much most of the time you're going to score from there. I think they did it a little bit this year where you have to start going for two after that first score or maybe it's after the second score i'm not sure yeah but i like i like the way the nfl does it as long as you if if you give up a touchdown on the first drive in overtime you should lose the football game so if you just give up a field goal at least you get a chance to come back down and, and score a field goal and tie the game or you can score a touchdown and win the game but uh, if you give up an easy touchdown on that first drive, and it's usually a drive from the 25-yard line, so a 75-yard drive, you you deserve to lose the game.
1: See, I guess I'm just too soft. More. I'm, just, I'm just like, give yeah, everybody you are a soft. chance.
0: You're getting soft in your old age.
1: <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm just like, let everybody have the ball.
0: Let everybody get touchdowns. It's fun. Well, they do both get the ball, but uh, if you give up a touchdown, then you don't deserve the ball.
1: Fair enough okay well I'll try to think of it that way next time a game goes to overtime I have a feeling we might see a couple in the playoffs I I want to ask you a couple more things I I mentioned I'm a Seahawks fan and I I know you know you got a lot of ties to that organization Um, they didn't make the playoffs obviously Russell Wilson was injured for part of the year which which didn't help and and I'm curious to get your perspective Warren because you know I watch as, as as a fan and you know I have Whatever little knowledge of football I have, but I, I kind of watched them and I thought, you know, they, they can make big plays and they get some long bombs, but I felt like they they don't drive the football, you know, and they they could have put Tennessee away with a the drive, they couldn't do it. They they could have put Chicago away with a drive, and, and they couldn't do it. Is, am, I, am I? What am? Is that actually what's going on, or what are you seeing with the Seahawks' struggles this year?
0: yeah they seem to be a team that's big play in the passing game and when they can run the football they're very effective their biggest problem this year i think was they didn't have that consistent runner all season long until those last four or five games when you saw Rashad and Penny really take off because he's finally healthy <clears throat> excuse me chris carson who was their starter for the for the year i think he only played maybe three or four games and then he was out and then they were going with whatever they could find by committee uh, from that time on so they didn't have consistent seeing the running game and one of the reasons why their passing game was good is because of play action pass but if you can't run the football Play-action pass doesn't have a lot of effect on the defense, so most teams just played them a lot of cover two, which is two high safeties, and they didn't allow the big plays down the field. And the Seahawks had a tough time running the ball, and then they're not really a good uh, intermediate passing game. So they need they need to, to become more of an uh, intermediate to short passing game to go along with the, the with the long ball down the field, and then they have to keep that consistent runner. And hopefully, Rashad Penny is going to be that guy if he can stay healthy. We saw what he could do in those last four or five games i mean he was up over 170 yards twice and i think he averaged somewhere about 150 yards over the last five games so that's what they need a, a consistent runner and they need to shore up their intermediate passing game
1: okay uh, well i'm glad you brought up running because look the, you were you were a great quarterback certainly the houston teams you played on i think you guys are primarily remembered for chucking it around but when you had good teams it wasn't just you and the receivers who's the best running back you ever played with or maybe the best season by a running back that you ever played with
0: the best season by a running back uh, was probably robert smith um, what i played with in um in minnesota I think he had had 1,200 and something yards. The best running back I played with, but he was kind of at the end, was Earl Campbell for sure. I mean, he's an Hall of Famer, and we we knew what he did his first six years in the league. But when I got to Houston, um, he was only there another year and a half with me, and then he got traded. So his career was kind of on the downswing. But um, he was the best overall. But I did play with some really good backs. But Robert Smith was probably the best that I actually played with in his prime.
1: Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, he was pretty good. Okay, I'm going to throw one more. Actually, I'm not going to ask you to to predict every game because that's you know that's <laughs> it's such a coin flip. The but in the NFC, you're going to have to go through Green Bay. They got the number one seed. Yes, they do. Can you can you describe what it's like playing at Lambeau Field? I mean, you were in their division for three years, and you would have gone in there occasionally uh, with some of your other teams. Tell me about a game at Lambeau Field.
0: Well it's not the, I mean, it's not the nicest stadium in, in the league. I mean, they've done a great job on it renovation-wise over here, over the last four or five years, but when I was playing, it was all bleachers mainly. Uh, they were aluminum bleachers, and so, you know, when it gets cold, you don't want to sit on aluminum bleachers. The thing I love about Commonwealth Stadium, they have seats in that stadium, so you get a chance to sit in a seat. Um, but there's so much history with that stadium, so as a player, when you come in there, you, you first of all, you know about the history before you even get there, and then you you get there and you see all the uh the Hall of Fame stuff and all the different um uh, the streets all around it are named after, you know, Vince Lombardi and all the great coaches and players that played there. So you have to get over that as a player and get that out of your system that I'm playing in this legendary stadium. So you, you come back down to earth and realize this is just a stadium and we're going to play against a good football team. But it, it is a different atmosphere there because it's the only thing in town. I mean, these people live and breathe. Green Bay Packers, everybody wears their stuff, not only on game day, but all throughout the week. It reminds me a lot of the Edmonton Eskimo. I mean, Edmonton um, um, Elks atmosphere uh, when I was playing there. Um, we were we were a very very popular team in town, and everybody wanted to be a part of it. So that's how Green Bay, Wisconsin, is for the Green Bay Packers.
1: Okay, I will ask you this though: uh, Who do you think wins it all? Who's your who's your favorite to win it all out of the fourteen teams we got left?
0: You know, golly, this is a season where it's really hard to predict. There's no team that really has gone off on like a three or four game just – we're going to be the team to beat, you know. Even Green Bay, they had the uh, the home field advantage last year in the playoffs, and Tampa Bay comes in there and beats them in the championship game in Green Bay. So having the home field doesn't always mean you're going to you know, win the whole thing. But Green Bay has been the most consistent team all year long. They do have home field advantage. Most teams don't want to come in there and play, especially when it's super cold. So I would say Green Bay on the NFC side, and I still like the Kansas City Chiefs on the uh, the AFC side. Uh, just because of their experience, they've been to the last two Super Bowls, and they have a, a quarterback that uh, knows how to make big plays at the right time.
1: Yeah, does he ever. <laughs> He's awesome to watch. Well, Warren, uh, it's awesome to have you on the show. You know, usually we, I, I'm so glad we still get to catch up once or twice a year. I know the fans love hearing from you. I hope you're doing well. Uh, thanks for your memories. Thanks for your perspective on the NFL postseason. All the best. I hope we can talk again real soon.
0: Yeah, anytime, time, Reed. And uh, I, I just want to thank all my fans up in Edmonton. I hear from different people in Edmonton all the time. And and um, yeah, I love my days up there. And uh, hopefully uh, the football team will get back on stride again. I know they got off to a slow start this year and finished kind of strong. But they, they have a new coaching staff in there. So hopefully there's some new enthusiasm and, and the team will get back on top. You ready?
1: Showtime.
0: That's where the Edmonton teams need to be.
1: Absolutely. That is Warren Moon checking in tonight on Inside Sports. Mike Smith uh, out of action here for the next week with a thumb injury. So we'll see where that goes in the days to come as the Oilers get set to take on the Ottawa Senators on Saturday. Great to catch up with Warren Moon, legendary member of the E, and, of course, a five-time Grey Cup champion. And then, so, well, I mean, look, he's in the Hall of Fame for the CFL and he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, which is uh, pretty cool. And he played, what, 17 seasons in the NFL after being here in Edmonton, uh, six seasons in Edmonton. So incredible stuff. Great to have Warren on the show. He likes uh, Kansas City and Green Bay in the Super Bowl. Uh, What else? I I better write that down here. Did he say who he was going to... Who to he picked to win there, Kellen. I don't know if he did. I don't think he did. No, he just, that's okay. Uh, Jack he just took the two Tam- teams the Super Bowl. So yeah, Jack took Tampa Bay over Kansas City. Bob's going Green Bay over Tennessee. I'm going the Bills over the Bucks. And uh, he was uh, Lambeau. Here's okay. Here's what I want to know: seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Caller text. Well, I got a guest coming up at seven zero five. Demetrius Maxey from the Elks. So around seven twenty. Have you been to Lambeau Field? and describe the experience. And so, Or if, if you know somebody out there who has been and they're not listening, tell them to call me around 720. I, I want to hear, take me inside Lambeau Field or, or send in a text, and Kellen will check for that, and we'll get that on the show around 720. But first, Demetrius Maxey, when we get back. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.